0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. YorkshirePost.co.uk. As mentioned earlier in the intro this week, I'm joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Raynor. Morning, Stuart. Good morning, Mark. Morning. Morning. Um, Well, with the exception of Sheffield United, um, it was a fairly disappointing weekend for our Yorkshire-based teams. Um, And actually, starting with Sheffield United, uh, they claimed an emphatic 6-2 victory against Peterborough United and followed that with a 2-all draw against Preston. Apart from the six goals on Saturday, um, was there anything that stood out for you in particular, Stuart?
1: Um, I think um, the 6-2 win, the Peterborough win, just sort of... um highlighted to me really the the value of getting some fresh blood into that side um that that victory was was really led by um morgan's Gib- uh, morgan gibbs white who was making his debut and illiman and die who was making his full debut for them and they got uh, three goals between them and two assists got to be said some of the you know um Old stages, for want of a better word, were excellent too. Billy Sharp made uh, three assists. Ben Osborne scored twice. John Fleck started to look um, back to his old self in the in the last week. Um, but it just seemed to have a revitalising effect to get those fresh players in. And to be fair, it was something that Slaviski Kanovic had been talking about the need for all the way through the transfer window. Mm-hmm. But until deadline day, uh, the club had only managed to get Ben Davis in. I mean, I've been critical in earlier podcasts saying that I, th- I felt the big issue was that Sheffield United hadn't sold well enough to free up the budget and the squad space to get those players in. But I think part of the point is when you look at Indy and you look at the fact that Rhys Norton Davis played very well for them. Those fresh faces didn't have to come from outside. You know, it was. It's telling that until. The Peterborough game. Uh, Sheffield United had won a couple of games this season, but only in the League Cup, where some of the young players, not scarred by that relegation, uh, had played. And I, I just think, I just think that was that was the situation they were in. That you know, when you we, we've mentioned before, you know, we talked about it with regards to Doncaster and the calendar year they've had. Um, it could have been an issue for Sheffield Wednesday, but they've addressed it. When you when you get into a really bad trot, uh even in a different season, it can just create a mentality and a culture that is really hard to shake.
0: Hmm. You know, we we've we've seen it before with clubs that get relegated from the Premier League.
1: And the slide doesn't stop there. We've seen plenty of clubs who bounce back, of course, but we've, we've seen we've seen a few just get locked into a bit of a spiral. And I think that's where Sheffield United were. It wasn't that the players weren't good enough. It's just that once you get into that sort of mentality that, oh no, here we go again every time you concede a goal, then it can be very difficult to get out of without some people coming in from outside who just don't have that mindset. And... You know, I think the the most telling thing for me about that victory was Sheffield United played some really good football. It was really positive, entertaining stuff. But the the, the key thing for me was the fact that they conceded an equaliser to go to one one when the defensive error by Jack Robinson got got punished. That could easily be, have been the point where those players thought, "Oh no, here we go again," and that
0: that could have been. You know that could have been the bubble burst at the end of it, but they they showed the sort of
1: mental resilience to come back to it. And I, I do put a lot of that down to the fact that they they had these uh, they had these fresh fresh players, clean minds. Slavica sort of e. Ivanovic referred to to sort of help them get out of it. The the, the Preston game kind of didn't didn't fully back that up um, in the sense that um, Robin Olsen made his, his debut that night. Um he came in and actually made an error which cost Sheffield United um a, a goal an equalising goal in that one for one one. But he did then he did then make amends with a, a brilliant save shortly before Sanderberg put them two were up. Um Luke Freeman came into the side, he was another one, he was out on loan last season and he he set up Sheffield United's opening goal. So whilst I'd say, whilst the 2 old draws slightly undermine the argument, I do think that things feel a lot more positive at Bramall Lane just for the last week and for the introduction of, of these new players. We're still to see Conor Horahan start a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ben Davis has had his injury problems. But hopefully, uh, when that team settles down, you know we'll, we will see quite a, quite a few players just bring a bit of... A bit of mental freshness to that to that team, which um,
0: w- which it really needed. Frankly, hmm. so so do you think it's just a case of letting the sort of young younger players sort of find their footing a bit more as the season progresses, and then hopefully, um, along with the more experienced players that they've got in 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 that squad, they'll be able to to push forward uh, better as a unit.
1: I think, to be honest, I think. I think the the two young players who have come in, Norrington Davis and um then have have hit the ground running. Mm. Um there's been no there's been no question of them them needing to bed in. I think it's just a lesson for the future really, uh, to them and to other clubs that you know you you, you do need to you do need to freshen things up, especially when you've had a miserable season like they've had. But you don't. It doesn't necessarily all have to come through the transfer market. You know, one one wonders if someone like Daniel Jebberson, who instead of coming into the Championship team, has been loaned out to Burton. If, if maybe he'd been given a shot, or or someone else. And you can, you know, when a team when things are going badly, sometimes you can get a bit too caught up in the just throwing the kits as though it's the answer to everything. You know, Paul Heckingbottom was warning about that. Uh, at the back end of last season, when he's the caretaker manager, he was the caretaker manager. But I do think there is something to be said for for freshening up up a squad. And now, belatedly, that has happened at Sheffield United. And because it's happened, I say I feel a lot more confident about them going forward now. Mm.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and um, unfortunately, things went less well for Sheffield Wednesday, falling to a three 0 defeat against Plymouth Argyle, which left them with ten points after six games. Um, what do you think they can improve on going into their next game uh against Shrewsbury Town? Well, it's kind of highlighted
1: a real psychological problem that that's that still seems to exist at, at Sheffield Wednesday and this this is the strange thing really. You talk about freshening up the squad and it's a it's a very it's a very different group of players. Very different to uh, to the to the one that was relegated last season, but there still seems to be this some of the same hang-ups uh, affecting them. And the, and the big the big one at Wednesday is that they have an absolutely awful record um, when they when they concede first. Um, I think I think Derby County away on their on the last game of last season was the only time they'd taken a point. After uh, after conceding first, and I think uh, I think it's about five years since they've won away from home. After conceding first, I mean the the key to the key to Wednesday's brilliant start to the season was was clean sheets. Um, you know they were absolutely absolutely magnificent in the opening weeks in terms of uh, in terms of keeping the opposition out. Bailey peacock Fowler was brilliant. We've talked before about how they um, how the players they kept on from last season have given them a real solid defensive base, and of course those in front contribute as well. But it's telling that they've con- conceded for the first time in the last two championship games, and they've lost both of them. Um, so I, d- I do think that's something they need to get through. I'm not really sure how you sort of address that on the on the on the training ground. I mean, perhaps it's something you can only really shake off once you start picking up points from that that. Uh, position but you know I suppose it does show they have to be really really switched on defensively and uh, yeah they need to get through this because um it's going to be a really difficult um league 1 this season you know the the level of competition is very high um so they can't afford to be um to be having a weak spot as uh, as glaring as that so uh, yeah that that for me was what was what stood out that day
0: hmm. I mean for, for them to be in a position where they are now, with uh, six games uh, already uh, already played and only ten points, where do you think in your in your eyes do you think that they can really do with improvement uh, squad wise?
1: Well, I don't. I don't think it's a question of um, of improving the personnel. I think the personnel is is more than good enough. Right? You know, I think I think most most Wednesday fans were. Very excited by the time the season started with the with the business that Darren Moore had done. And I say, if you were if you were to pick faults faults in that um, squad and be ultra picky, you would be looking at the other end of the field. Really, I'm wondering if they if they've got the goals, uh, if they've got the the goal scorers that that they need. Um, again, as we've mentioned in previous weeks, there's a there's a bit of a bit of a gamble on Saido Mane being that man. Lee Gregory's come in and, and, and made a really good start in that respect. But as I say, I think I think it's just a mentality thing as much as anything, just about uh, showing showing more resilience w- when they uh, when they go behind. Because you know, uh, you, you say you say ten points from six games. I don't I don't think it's been all that bad a start. You know, you certainly looking at it from before the before the Morecambe game, the last one before the international break. Mm-hmm. They'd started with, with uh, two draws, one of them in the League Cup, and then and then won three uh, three matches on the trot. Things were looking pretty rosy. We were talking very very positively with them. You know, they're 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 level on points with Portsmouth and Rotherham, who are two teams who you would expect to be to be in it in and around it. You know, they're comfortably above Ipswich who've had a who've had a terrible start. Um, you know, they they're the, the five points off the top but you know, we're, we're, we're barely into September, it's, it's, it's not at all time to be panicking about the league table, they, they say they just however they do it, they've just got to get over this mental hurdle, I think that, that really is,
0: is is my only major concern about them right now hmm. And um, turning our attention to Barnsley now um, Barnsley lost 3-0 on their trip to Bournemouth and during that game, failed to register a shot on target. Um, they're currently sitting mid-table in the championship. Um, where do you see them having to go from here?
1: Well, I think the question for them, it's it's a it's a little bit like Sheffield United, but for different reasons. We talk about
0: Sheffield United; they made um, they made four signings, but only three of them
1: came on deadline day. Um, Barnsley got. Their business, a lot of their business done uh, a bit earlier but they're they're still to reap the rewards of it really because um anisker had work permits and fitness issues which delayed his debut until the um until that game at Bournemouth he came on as a half-time substitute obilares had similar problems f- fitness even even more so with him I think having not uh, We've not played any competitive football since January. Um, we, we're talking. We're talking before the Stoke City game, and he he was still to make his debut. Um, Remy Vita came in from uh, Bayern Munich. He only arrived in the country on Monday night and had his first training session on the Tuesday. Um, Claudio Gomez came in from Manchester City on deadline day. Uh, he's he's a young player um, still. Still to be sort of integrated into into the Barnsley way. He only made his, subdu- his debut as a substitute at um, at Dean Court as well. So they have freshened up this squad, um, but they haven't actually been able to get these fresh faces in really. So I think for them, it's a, it's a it's a case of patience as much as anything, and not not judging them uh, too strongly either way until we can actually see what this Barnsley team looks like because um, it was always going to be a. Uh, it was never it was never likely to be an instant process in terms of um, the existing players. Marco Schopp has come in and, and changed the way they play. And though, you know, in fairness, Valerian Ismail managed to bring a drastic turnaround over the course of about two training sessions having come in mid season, but mm. you you really cannot expect a manager to do that. That was that was just exceptional stuff. So it was always likely that um that shop would need a bit more a bit more time and I just I just think with Barnsley in particular I just think we've got to we've got to hold off passing judgment on on them for 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 probably probably a while yet because it's not just a case of these players getting in in the team it's a case of them physically getting up to speed you know all of of those players we talked about aren't used to not only are they new to the club they're new to championship football and uh, you know Bournemouth Bournemouth can hand out hidings like that. Bournemouth did that to Barnsley at Oakwell last season. Um, you know, when when Barnsley were were sort of revived under Valerian Ismail. it, it is it is possible against that team. You shouldn't um you shouldn't panic too much about it. But, you know, obviously Barnsley have, have become a club in the last two two seasons you have uh who've got used to giving other clubs a head start, but you don't want to. You don't want to make a habit of it, and you don't want to push your luck. They they, they could do with some some short term results just to to buy them a bit of um, a bit of breathing space. But as I say, I, I don't think we should uh, we should draw any any hard and fast conclusions on them for for a while yet. No,
0: and and you were talking about um, giving them time, particularly the players. Um, uh, my next question is, how, how has Marcus Shop actually um, sort of developed as, as I mean, I know it's it's early days in the season, but um, has he found his preferred style with, with the players that he's got at the moment, or is that still sort of a work in progress with him?
1: Well, um, I, I spoke to him this week, actually, uh, head of the Stoke City game, and uh and I asked him about this. I asked him whilst they're in this period where essentially some of his players are effectively having a pre season, yeah. um, but his team is being judged on competitive results, um, what his approach was in terms of, um, you know, some, some managers, and it, it's a strength for some and a weakness for others, a very stubborn. Uh, you think of you think of people like Marcelo Bielsa. So you think of a lot of the top managers. This is my way of doing things. We're going to do this, come hell or high water. And I kind of asked Shop if he was sort of of that mindset in this period, or if he was having to make compromises. But I, I think, in fairness, the sort of um, the theme of Shop's um, Barnsley management career so far has been about adapting to what he has. You know, he's he's trying to. He's trying to change Barnsley's style from the way they played under Valerian Ismail, but he's he seems quite conscious of not completely revolutionising it and not just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. He is trying to be quite adaptable and and keeping the best elements of that team which did so well last season, whilst trying to introduce a bit more of a possession-based game. So, yeah, I think I think that means. That the, that the style he's producing is perhaps perhaps just slightly less clear-cut, it's slightly less jarring, to be fair, the, than what went before. But I, I don't think that's necessarily because he's he doesn't know what he wants. I think it's just him trying to negotiate this sort of um, transitional period that they're in, uh, and that is the point. It is a transitional period. We do have to... We do have to bear that in mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. so it's, it's basically a case of just calming down and giving time to, to both players and manager at this stage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do because as fans and as players and as managers, you, you're you all about winning. You desperately hmm. want to be winning, but but the fact is there has been a big change at that football club. This season, and, and much as much as we would like it to be different, you can't just switch these things on and off. And uh, at the moment, it's a it's a slightly a slightly difficult period for Barnsley. But you know, you look at the uh, mentioned Ipswich there, mentioned Doncaster earlier. It's it's a lot better than the uh, than the transitions those clubs have have, uh, have been going through. It's it's not the end of the world at all. No,
0: no. And uh, next on our agenda is Huddersfield Town, who went down 2-1 to Stoke at the weekend to bring their three-game winning streak to an end, unfortunately. But a convincing 3-0 victory away at Blackpool followed. How do you rate their recent performances, Stuart?
1: Um, excellent, frankly. Um, I mean, we, we were singing the praises of uh, of Carlos Corbran and, and Solbert Thomas um, the other day, and and quite rightly so, Um I think they've. I think they've surprised a lot of people and probably a lot of their own fans with just, just how well they've they've started. Um, they've got some really, good defensive foundations, which was um, obviously a big issue for them, for them last season when they when they had the um, the worst defence um, in the division. They've they've addressed that. Um, I was a little bit concerned in terms of um, in terms of where where the goals. We're going to come from for them, um, but the answer's been that the defenders have uh, have been behind that as well. They've had a lot of um, lots of goals kicked in uh, through their defensive players. Um, Harry Toffolo has got one for them. Um, Matty Pearson's got three already. T- Tom Lee's um, has scored a goal, which is not uh, not something he's uh, he's been that used to over his career. They've been uh, they've been good at set pieces to create those those chances for them, and they, they appear to have found it a really good formula. You know, I, I suppose in the same way as we're saying, uh, don't don't judge Barnsley too soon. The flip side of that, I guess, is not to jump on the bandwagon too much about Huddersfield because they had an outstand well, outstanding overplaying it, but they had an excellent first half of um, of last season, and things fell away. So you know we do need to bear that in mind but for them to be uh for them to have got off to off to such a good start can only build confidence for them uh which will hopefully snowball and and the difference we hope at least between uh, this season and last is that there seems to be more squad depth so that hopefully they they're a bit more resilient if they do have this sort of bad luck with injuries that that they had last season um i think it's i think it's all positive for Huddersfield and it's it's just a case of that them keeping that going they've uh, they've got nottingham forest at, at the weekend who were a club in uh, a difficult position at the moment they want to they want to take advantage of that and uh, and just keep this keep this feel good factor rolling
0: mm, yeah I, I can i can definitely see where you're coming from uh, on that and um elsewhere in the championship at the weekend uh, middlesbrough went down 2-0 at coventry and Hull managed a draw at Swansea before a 2-0 loss against Blackburn. Um, It is still early in the the season, as I said earlier on, but neither team seems to have developed any real consistency yet. Do do you have any thoughts on this? Well,
1: um, I think in terms of Middlesbrough in particular, I think think I'm right in saying that it's 14 new signings Middlesbrough have had this season, so that is going to take time to... To it's as it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, you know, results, as you say, the, the, there's there's been no consistency yet, but but that shouldn't come as a big surprise when when there's been that sort of overhaul. Really, I, I don't I don't think there's any any cause for for panic yet. If if a club was in this situation in the championship, uh, mentioned Nottingham Forest, are in a much worse situation. Who's the sort of manager they turn to? They turn to Neil Warnock. Well, they, they've got him already, and and he's already got his his Neil Warnock players in. So again, it's it's becoming a bit of a, a boring theme of this podcast, but it's it's just too early to to judge to judge Middlesbrough. It's too early to judge any team, really. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that that league tables get published even in August. I think uh, before the league's even taken shape, but. Mm. Um, Middlesbrough are going to need a bit of time. Hull um, aren't that inconsistent at the moment. They're being fairly consistent in terms of their their poor results and particularly their struggles in front of goal. Um, six games now without a goal for Hull City um, is, is is a big concern. Um, you know, they defensive side. They managed to keep clean sheets against. Um, Back to back clean sheets against um, Bournemouth and Swansea either side of the international break, and having some Bournemouth praises, and you know, uh, with Swansea's uh, reputation over the years, that that's no mean feat. That's uh, that's been a pretty good achievement for them. But they, they do need to they do need to sort things out at the other end of the field um, I, I've alluded to this before with them. Really, I think it's a question of, of belief as much as anything. You know, they've got they've got. Keane, Lewis, Potter, Josh McGuinness, and Malik Wilkes who all scored a lot of goals last season. I haven't got the exact numbers to my head, but they were all pushing around the twenty-goal mark in League One last season. Um, they just need to produce that at Championship level, and, and I wonder how much of it is actually just them not them not believing um, that they that they belong at this level. I mean, they, they scored four goals on the opening weekend of the season. Lewis Potter got got one and uh, and McGinnis got one and uh and Lewis Potter scored for them in in the league cup but those were the last goals that that they scored they I just think I mean it's probably the old cliche probably each of them probably just needs to get a lucky one and just get up and running but um yeah I do I do feel like um a bit like we were saying earlier with Sheffield Wednesday's defenders, they they just need it. You know, the problem might might be psychological as as much as anything else. And of course, another another issue for them is that they've um, they've missed um, they've missed George Honeyman through injury, and he was a big part of their goals last season mm. in terms of uh, his assists from dead balls, in in particular. I think I think when they get him back, I think that will make those. Those strikers uh, feel a lot more, a lot more confident. But I, I do, without having seen that much of them this season, I do, I do feel as though the problem is probably as much between their, between their ears as in their boots at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, th- things will turn around. Possibly, hopefully, with with Honeyman coming back and with a number of things um, going their way, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it might just be one where it, it 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 just clicks and they and they can and they can go on a run in terms of in terms of scoring
0: goals. But at the moment, we're just kind of waiting and hoping for that. Yeah, yeah. And um, in other League One games, Doncaster lost. Uh, Doncaster Rovers lost at uh, Wigan Athletic, and Rotherham United were thumped at home by Fleetwood before drawing one all away at Lincoln. Um, Doncaster sit at the foot of the table, unfortunately, and look to have some problems at the moment. What do you, what in your eyes do you think they have to do to get things um, turned around?
1: Well, I mean, um, it's obviously um, it's obviously not the full answer for Richie Wellens, but um, I just feel as though they need a bit more luck at the moment. I'm not I'm not pretending that they're they bottom of the league purely because of luck, but um, they are in this position at the moment where the squad looked a bit light coming into the season and it's incredible how often it happens that when you come into a season with a squad like that, you tend to, to get more injuries and more bad luck than the, the clubs who've actually got their, stock, their, their squads well stocked. Um, you know, Decimated by um, injuries to the forward line, they've had COVID problems, and then at the weekend uh, we had Richie Wellens absolutely apoplectic, apoplectic, if I can say it, about um, about the refereeing decisions that, that went against them. They they just they just feel like they're in a in a really bad cycle at the moment, and they uh, and they have to address it. You know they've it he, is he, He's done what he can to, to
0: try and bring in a couple of um, a couple to bring in free agent signings
1: to uh, to sort of address things. We've seen uh, Joe Dodu come in to try and um, kickstart them a bit going going forward. But um, yeah, they're in they're in a they're in a, re- a really a really difficult spell at the moment, and they've 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 just got to fight their way out of it. I mean, I, I think they're going to need um, well. It, it, if at all possible, they're going to need to find some money so they can give that squad a bit more help to in January. But January is a long time away. Um, they need they need something now. Um, you know, they need to uh, they need to just tough the tough this period out, uh, produce a bit more of of what they're capable of. Uh, they need to get they need to get their injured players fit. Um, and uh, again, like I was saying with. Whole strikers, they they possibly just need one lucky game to just set them going and and, and give them a bit of belief. And I say, I know, I know. Well, Wellens can't uh, can't just sit back and say, oh well, let's hope things get a bit luckier. There's a lot more to it than that. But um, you do feel that mentally, they're just kind of trapped in a bit of a cycle, and and the the longer it goes on, that the the, the the more of a head start they're going to give the other teams, the more difficult it's going to be for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it's it just comes down to a number of things going their way, and hopefully that will be able to kickstart um, the the way things turn around. Really.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it's it, it's it's funny the way things these things happen. Um, you know, you, you you do wonder if sometimes being a bit. Light on injuries, uh, sorry, light on squad numbers causes those injuries by maybe having to to push the existing players a bit harder and and ask them to do things they shouldn't do. But I think more than anything, it just boils down to Sod's Law, and you know, to have been without Jordi Hirula for uh, uh, the first few weeks, to still be about with, without uh, Faya Kanabiri, um, to be without John Taylor, these these are these are big losses to them, and and hopefully they can they can get. All of those players back fit, fully firing together, uh, and it makes a big difference. But you you just don't want to be too far behind when that happens, because then the psychology of it—you know what we're talking about with Sheffield United—that that that sort of losing mentality can can make it difficult for you know any player to to come in and turn that around.
0: No, yeah, Uh, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that uh, on that front. And um, finally, we turn our attention to Leeds United, who uh, unfortunately fell to a 3-0 home defeat against Liverpool. And although Liverpool looked very good, something, in my eyes at least, seems to be missing from Bielsa's team at the moment. And the next fixture away at Newcastle looks to have even greater significance now. Um, My two questions to, to you, Stuart, is... Well, basically, um, is there any cause to worry just yet? And what did you think of Pascal Stroik sending off, which Leeds United have unfortunately lost an appeal against? Uh, was it justified in your in your eyes?
1: Um, well, to just start with your first question, I mean, is there cause for worry? I suppose there probably is, in the sense that we were we were talking at the. Um, at the start of the season, o- on this podcast, about how optimistic we were uh, about uh, about Leeds United and two points from four games, uh, and the two defeats being pretty pretty chastening defeats hasn't backed that up. But you know, I'd be completely contradicting everything uh, I've said so far if I didn't point out it's only four games. Yeah. Two of those games were against Champions League sides who, on their day, were. Magnificent, you know that have that have struggled against that. Um, I do feel, as you say, things just just haven't clicked yet for for, for for Leeds United. You know, some of the players just not quite producing what they what they're capable of. Um, I think the big cause for optimism in my eyes, uh, given what we talked about with regards to Sheffield United, Leeds his new player. They brought in Junior Firpo, who's still settling in, but their big new their big signing was was Dan James. He came off the bench against Liverpool when the game was already lost, but he looked very energetic. He looked very lively. You would hope that James could have that revitalising effect on on Leeds that Morgan Gibbs White and Illiman uh, and Dai had on Sheffield United. He, he he's that sort of player anyway. He's the sort of player that you know will excite fans and should. Should give optimism to the team, so that that that's encouraging, encouraging too. Quite frankly, that they're that they're playing Newcastle United, who are in a bit of a mess, and that they're playing Newcastle United at Saint James's Park. Because when when Newcastle United are in a bit of a mess, you want to
0: be playing them at home, when their fans uh, can actually help you mm-hmm. um,
1: rather than help the team, which they do so well when when Newcastle are in a, in a good a good run of form. So yeah, it's um, it, it, it's mildly concerning. Also concerning with strike losing that appeal is that um, they're getting light on centre backs. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Diego Lorente go off injured. Um, we don't know if Robin Koch is, uh, is going to be fit uh, fit for that Friday night game. Um, he it sounded like he was close, but not obviously not there yet when uh, when Bielsa spoke. Um, before uh, before the Liverpool game, um, otherwise um, Luke Ayling will do i uh, I'll do a, a perfectly good job there. There's 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 no there's no shame or problem in that. It just it just pulls things around. You know it'll probably take Stuart Dallas out of midfield to cover it right back, and it it just leaves you you know one injury during the game closer to the closer to even more problems at, at centre back. In terms of strikes, red card. I mean, I I think, I think the 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 first thing we should say really is is it was it was really sad to see Harvey Elliott, who's a, a, you know, a teenager who's had such a good start to his Liverpool season, having come back from a loan spell at at, uh, Blackburn Rovers. It was, it was just really upsetting to see him suffer such a bad injury Mm -hmm. and such an unfortunate injury. And I think that's the that's the point really it it was an unfortunate injury and I, i'm i'm really disappointed that that um that the appeal against uh, against stroke's red card hasn't succeeded because it it's it split opinions on this um but i i just don't think it was a it was a red card offense i think even the people who do would would accept that it it wasn't deliberate on on strikes part, part that you know the people saying it was a red card that that's kind of not the point they were making they're making the point that you know the way he went in was just was just too dangerous but i i just don't think that was the case uh, i just think it was one of those unfortunate things elliot said he didn't think it was a red card um i say others others have others have said that um i, th- I think we're getting into into dangerous ground when when people are being punished like that for just accidents and I was a bit unimpressed really by the fact that Craig Pawson saw the incident quite clearly uh, decided that there wasn't a foul and then just seemed to be swayed by this, this, the seriousness of the injury but that you know that said um the VAR did have a chance to look at the replays that you know that weren't shown on television, and uh, and did back the decision up. I just I just feel it was the wrong one. But um, it is what it is. Um, Leeds are going to be without strike for, uh, for for three games now. Um, they've just got to respond to this adversity. And if they, you know, if they do, if they do get the win that they they're certainly capable of at, at, at Leeds at Newcastle um, United, then suddenly the picture looks a bit different that that's the that's the point about not judging too early you suddenly get three points and 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 the league table looks completely different um you know you lose you lose a couple of matches on the trot and suddenly a team that was flying high is has has dropped suddenly so um yeah that that that's that's kind of where where leads are, but I don't think, um as I said, I don't think it's cause for panic. I think, I, well, I was optimistic when the when the season started, and and I don't think, I don't think four games, say, particularly against the teams they play, can
0: should change things or changes things that much in my mind. Certainly, no, and um, no, you you were mentioning how um, it was unfortunate that they they basically went well, the referees basically went off the. The consequences of the challenge, and from from what I heard, a fair amount of people, including Gary Neville, um, when he was comparing um, the challenges that was um, that uh, were made on uh, Rashardson in the Everton game, it, uh, he he compared one of them and said that was a carbon copy of what happened with Stroik The only difference is um, the outcome. That, that that was the only difference. And I I just feel that it's it's entirely wrong to... I mean, I'm not saying that this is what the, the referees have done, but I think it's entirely wrong to sort of base a decision with regards to a red card entirely on the consequences of a challenge rather than the challenge itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness to the referees, the, the laws have, have kind of been worded in or reworded in such a word, way nowadays to talk about endangering an opponent so, so that 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 is taken into account more you know and i've heard a few former referees uh in the last week or so talk talk about when they when they've admitted to having sent off players because of the consequences uh of the injury rather than rather than the the, the tackle itself but i i just feel it's i just feel it's the wrong the wrong balance for the law, anyway. But even that notwithstanding, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that law was applied properly, in my eyes. It's it is a debatable one, mm-hmm. um, but I do feel very sorry for Strike, who is anyway going to have to live with the consequences of of, of what he's done, because he's, he he seemed he seemed genuinely upset and understandably upset um, at, um, at at Harvey Elliott's injury and the you know the unwitting part. He played in it, but you know we can we can debate it all we like. Yeah. The the appeal's been made, the appeal's been lost. This this is where we are. I I do think it's something that needs needs more careful consideration by the lawmakers um, with regards to next season and beyond. Uh, but for Leeds United, they've they've just got to they've just got to get on with it. And uh, I say they. Uh, they're starting to have a problem in the in the centre of defence, but um, there's, there's still enough there for them to to beat Newcastle on Friday. But we can't we can't keep saying they're a good team. They're this. They're that. They've got to go out and do it on the field. And of Marcelo Bielsa was in his usual way, very protective of them after the game. Uh, it was all about how these first four games had been his fault, you know. we can't you can't ignore the fact that if if uh, if you pick up two points from four games the manager has played a part um, but it's certainly not been all his fault and uh, I think I think the players have to take the uh, take the brunt of the responsibility for just not yet hitting the heights they're capable of but you know it, it's a long season we're only four games in uh, no teams ever been relegated after four matches yorkshirepost.co.uk
0: Many thanks to Stuart Rayner who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene, but don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as Football Talk Podcast at at As ever, many thanks for listening, and look after yourselves. And bye for now.